0: Blog Talk Radio
1: church hours, but I have to get up, too. So, so you know, I just made a few changes. This is going to actually be a permanent change. For those that aren't familiar with what's happening, I will be relocating to the West Coast. And it's 8 o'clock in the morning there, and, yeah, that's even earlier for me, you know, a couple of hours earlier from this. But the reason for that is because I know there are going to be things that I need to take care of in the afternoon, and also there's going to be some other changes on the Black Free Thinkers Network, I mean, positive, good changes. So, you know, just wanted to kind of get you all into the routine before I got there, but also to get myself into the routine Um, about, you know, starting early, starting early and, you know, moving forward. But thank you, guys. You know, and again, I'm Kim. This is Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and to live for yourself, not convert you. And one more time, I'll say that. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I think we have Don Barbera on the line with us. Hold on. Let me pick up the line here. Is that you, Don? That's me. Hey, welcome to Black Free Thinkers.
2: Well, oh, thank you. Um good thing to do, especially on Sunday morning.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you know, because, you know, we we always talk about, you know, being black atheists or black humanists or former Christian or what have you. And what a lot of us miss, I know what I miss, you know, as being a former Christian, I do miss the socialization. I do miss you know, having something, something set to do every week. You know, I, there are a lot of things. I miss the networking. I especially miss the dinners and the gatherings and the get-togethers and the activities, whether it was volunteer activities or going on trips, you know, together. You know, those are things that I miss, and I know that there are many other people who miss the same thing, which is somewhat the premise for why we have some of these black groups. You know, and one thing that, you know, and we're just going to go right into this today. You know, I have a bunch of things that we can talk about. But, you know, one of the things that I've experienced as a black atheist is having, you know, white people or mainstream atheists asking why are we self-segregating? Why do we have our own groups? Why do we separate ourselves? And it's not that we're separating ourselves, but we're finding people who have you know, some some commonalities as ourself because, you know, the, the white atheist, the mainstream atheist community has not been the most welcoming. I've experienced more racism and sexism in this community than I did as a Christian. Now, I will throw one caveat. Maybe I did experience it as a Christian, but I wasn't fully conscious of it because when I came into this community, I was forced to become conscious of a lot of things that I once played ostrich with. I knew it was there, but I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to know about it. So, things have changed, and it's it's just, it's really interesting. You know, I've met some beautiful people, black, white, Latino, Asian, um, Native American in this community, and it's only a few that, you know, give us a hard time, but You know, since coming into this community, you know, I've learned a lot about myself. I see we have Red Ninja with us. Let's pull Red Ninja into this conversation. You know, I've learned a lot about myself. And, you know, I've admitted a couple of things on the air that there were once characteristics that I once solely, you know, attributed to Christians. And I've had to go back and backtrack and apologize because, you know, I've seen some of the same behaviors on, you know, this side of the equation with black atheists, and so now I just say it's a state of the human condition, but, you know, there have been a lot of changes, and since I've been a black atheist, one thing I will say is, again, my consciousness was seared, (laughs) and it was awakened, you know, it was like being thrown into the fire, if you will. Um, My eyes have been opened to a lot of, things, um, my views have been broadened, and one thing I will say is that my empathy, my compassion, my understanding for (laughs) Christ has deepened. You know, at first, I used to blame everything on Christians and religion, but as I became more educated, as my consciousness, you know, started to awake... You know, a lot of things that I once thought I was wrong, and I've had to go back and admit that I was wrong and, you know, make a fresh start. And I've received reports from people, you know, talk to people all the time, and they say that I've presented some, you know, some viewpoints that made them think about the situation and broaden their views as well. And that's why I say, you know, being on this side of the equation as a black atheist and a form of Christian, you know, I've had to rethink a lot of things. And we've talked about a lot of different things on the show. We've talked about the different stages of grief. I was angry for a long time. I was angry at Christianity. I was angry at the Bible. I was, you know, angry at what I considered a non-existent God. You know, it was, it was all intertwined together, and because I felt that I had wasted a lot of time, money, um, given up opportunities that I normally would not have given up because it went against my Christian values, and you know, so that's where some of the resentment and the anger came from. And you know, I've grown quite a bit as a person, so. You know, I have to thank the atheist community at large for that, you know, um, for putting material information out there that helped me grow, that challenged, you know, my thought process. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's been pretty good. You know, I've, like I said, I've met some wonderful people over the past few years, and my experience with this podcasting has opened my eyes to quite a bit, you know, quite a bit, and You know, it's it's interesting because when I first decided to do this show today, you know, I was going to go in a totally different direction, but, you know, I'm bigger and better than that. So I'm going to leave that alone for now. But um, this is just really interesting, you know, how life works out. And I've just seen a lot of things happening over the year. I've seen a lot of growth and a lot of people in this community, and I'm proud of them. I'm proud of, you know, you're growing and you're learning, and, you know, we want you to continue to enlighten yourself. Now, there are some people that have a problem with the word enlightened, but when I say enlightened, I'm talking about, you know, in the sense that you're learning and you're growing and you're researching. It's a never-ending process. If you feel as though there's nothing else for you to learn, then you've defeated the purpose. You're supposed to learn something new every day if possible. But, you know, we want you to critique everything. We want you to utilize critical thinking skills, utilize rationality in every area of your life, not when it just comes to religion, but every area of your life, you know, on your job. Yes, you should get there on time. You know, so you won't be written up for absenteeism or tardiness or anything. You know, you utilize critical thinking in every area of your life. No, you should not go 90 miles an hour down a one-way street that has a 30-mile-per-hour posted. You know, critical thinking, common sense. You know, these things are very important in everyday life, but we're going to move on and you know, I just find it interesting, but, yes, as a black atheist, you know, um, we're creating communities. We're finding ourselves. We're finding each other. You know, we've expanded that. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with People of Color Beyond Faith, we have a page on Facebook. We have a page on YouTube, um, um Twitter, you can find us out there. We have a Twitter chat every Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And we put on a webcast every month. And this last webcast we had, we were talking about women of color And religious oppression, and we had a representative from the Asian community, a representative from the Afro-Latino community, you know, a representative from, well, two African Americans, and the moderator was an African American, and, you know, it was a wonderful conversation, and with people of color beyond faith, we're trying to include everyone. We want everyone to be a part of this dialogue, and we're just really excited about what we're doing, the doors that are opening. Um, We have a conference coming up October 11th and 12th in Los Angeles, California, and the information I've posted about it, and I'll post it again later on today, but we would love to see you. This is an actual physical conference, and this conference will be, Taped, and we will be selling the DVDs as part of a fundraiser, so that we can continue to bring you all these programs and to, you know, expand and. There will be social justice projects coming up later this year. Our webcast for the month of April, we will be talking about National Minority Health Month, and we'll also be talking about health disparities. So that will be coming up later this month, and we would love to have Mr. Barbera on with us for that show and for that webcast in particular, And because he wrote a book about black depression. Um, um, Dr. Barbera, would you like to talk about that a little bit?
2: Well, <clears throat> First of all, uh, in mentioning that particular subject, uh, one of the things that there are several no-nos that you don't do that are unspoken in the black community, and one of them is any type of mental illness. Uh, any type of mental illness, I mean, everything has been recommended, well, you're not close enough to God, uh, you need to find Jesus in your life, uh, everything except the real problem, you've got to go to the doctor. You must go to the doctor, and among men, that is definitely a no-no. You don't have uh, those type of illnesses. Uh, you don't have that just as soon as you wouldn't ever admit that you take Viagra. Uh, same thing. It's not manly. <laughs> it's not manly. And, and unfortunately, these things, uh, usually like for uh, <clears throat> uh, depression, it ends up you find this out in the emergency room. And, unfortunately, it's too late. So it, it's just a, it's one of those things, you know, that we don't do because there's a taboo against it. And there shouldn't be, but uh, there is. Uh, even, uh, uh, I forgot, the former Surgeon General, uh, I forgot her name. Uh, she was from Arkansas. But the point being is that she mentioned is that uh, we needed to get our mental health together? Well, she caught all kinds of hell from the black community just for saying that. She, 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 it was just a recommendation, and unfortunately, those type of things. Uh, I mean, the information is available, and in case you, if you look, and one thing she pointed out, for instance, was that uh, black people don't donate organs. And we are some of the neediest people of organs. For instance, uh, uh, look at uh, kidney failure. Well, a lot of times kidney failure is a function of diabetes. Diabetes is one of the uh, primary uh, illnesses in the black community. And you have kidney failure. But when we need a kidney, there's none there because we don't donate. Simple stuff like that. No, let me take that back. It would seem simple but unfortunately it's not and one of the reasons is some people don't donate is because of the church uh, that when you must be buried with all your parts uh I don't I don't understand that but you know uh I don't understand not celebrating christmas as just a holiday or not getting blood transfusion so you know those are a lot of things right. i don't understand but i know what i do
1: know i read Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And see, and that's one of the beautiful things that we want to bring forth, you know, in, you know, atheists of color community, because it's not just with the black atheists, you know, we want Asian, Latino, Native American, Pacific Islander, whatever you may happen to be. So atheists of color. And this is why we're creating these communities, because, you know, again, as Dr. Hutchinson has said, atheism is not enough. It's not enough. And, you know, if we could have, you know, things like, you know, blood drives, you know, even get out here, voter registration, um, you know, work with some of the local groups to have a voter registration. But even talking about organ donation or have some type of health there, you know, these are social justice projects. You know, these are social justice projects. These are things that we would like to bring to the community. Even talking about the mental health. You know, they have therapy project in the atheist community. And, you know, I'm a big advocate for mental health care. And, you know, I've talked about it on several occasions on the show and especially coming over to this side of the equation and as a black atheist and getting a better understanding about these things. You know, um, I have more of an appreciation, you know, even, you know, with people that have issues like maybe drug addiction or alcohol addiction, you know, now I don't necessarily see it as a choice. I understand it as a disease
0: and, you know,
1: encouraging people to get help for these things. And, you know, I just believe that those of us in this community that do believe in social justice and community activism, that it's important that we talk about these subjects and we start putting our hand out to help people up and to help them to understand, to educate ourselves, number one, and then to be able to educate them or direct them to the resources, which is why we love to invite people on this show to talk about these subjects. And I I just think it's very important. Um, You know, I consider myself a humanist. You know, when I say I'm a black atheist, it's because I do not believe in any type of supreme or divine being. Well, what I'm is a and a free thinker. That is what I am. And I do I, believe that I am the Father's keeper. Yes, sir. Well, I was just thinking, you know, I kind of
2: feel like you do about that, you know, is that I'm much more than that. I just don't, that I don't believe in God, that doesn't tell you anything about who I am. Uh, yeah. To me, that's a minor point. My, my major thing is, is that I don't believe in that. I don't believe that anybody's going to bail me out unless it's me that's going to bail me out. But more importantly, is that there are answers to problems, and we can be a part of that. You know, we don't have to sit on the side and be an unrecognized group. And even if you do it as an individual. There's a place for you to do that, and that's it's, that's just helping humanity. And as you say, I'm probably more like you, a humanist. You know, these are things that are good for people.
1: Exactly. You know, doing the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. And this is what, you know, I've been imploring, you know, within you know the atheist community at large, but in particular with atheists of color, is that... We have, you know, this is just my opinion. I feel as though I have a responsibility and a duty to go back to our community and to help. You know, there are some people that do not feel that way, and that's fine. But there are enough of us out here to affect positive, productive change. And it's just, it's important. And, you know, again, my consciousness truly was seared um, when I, you know, came to this part uh, came to this side of the equation, I mean, I was always conscious as, you know, when I was a believer, but when I became a non-believer, there was just so much information being thrown at me so fast, I felt like I was in a whirlwind. And when I finally did get a chance to catch my breath, I was like, what have I done? Because I'll admit, it's easier to be on the other side of the equation.
3: Well, That's yeah, a much easier have- I agree.
2: Hello?
0: Yeah? Go ahead, Don. Uh, Go
2: ahead. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) Oh,
0: okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was much easier to be on the other side of the vision because, you know, it's kind of like it's the status quo, if you will. It was easier to go along, to get along, to not have to think about certain things, to not have to act on certain things because, you you know, our motto was God will make a way. God will take care of it, so I don't have to worry about that. And unfortunately, it's that complacency that has gotten us in trouble. And, and you know, I, I used to talk about things when I was a Christian. I would talk about, you know, certain, certain behaviors and actions and the consequences of those behaviors and actions. And I was told by other Christians, you're judging So you would hear that judge not lest you be judged. But I was correct then. However, I was not strong enough to necessarily stand up for what I believed in. I would continue to have those thoughts and say little things here and there, and they just thought that I was weird or they thought that I was being judgmental. But I was right about a lot of things because, you know, a lot of things have come to pass, and I'm sure a few of those people are thinking about some of the things that I brought up then. But I'm I'm saying all of that to say this, is that grow. Do your research. Like, you know, Dr. Barbera was saying there, the information is out there. The information is out there, you know. And, again, you know, I want to double back to what I'm talking about with, you know, being um, questioned, by some of the mainstream atheists as to why we have, you know, specific groups out here. And it's because, again, we need people that we can relate to. You know, one particular news story that came out um, this week was about Deshaun Jackson and how he was released because of his so-called um, gang affiliations. And And, you know, I love that, you know, there were people who stood up for him and answered because there is this one word out here that, you know, people need to understand. And that word is propinquity. Okay? And basically, and I'll give you the Wikipedia, and the reason why I'm reading from Wikipedia is because there are so many other links there for you to reference. But it says the social psychology Propinquity is one of the main factors leading to interpersonal attraction. It refers to the physical or psychological proximity between people. Proc- propinquity can mean physical proximity, a kinship between people, or a similarity in nature between things. Life attracts like. Two people living on the same floor of a building, for example, have a higher propinquity than those living on different floors, just as two people with similar political beliefs possess a higher propinquity than those whose beliefs strongly differ. So what I mean and what I'm talking about, how I tie that in, is basically with Deshaun Jackson... He came from, you know, a particular area. You know, he has friends, relatives, or whomever that may have some affiliations, you know, just like I do. I have people in my family that have some affiliation that people may find less than desirable, but this is where I came from. These are the people that I grew up with. These are the people that I know. These are the people that I understand. I shouldn't be judged by what happens or what other people do. And, excuse me, it's just really, really interesting. And even though I've moved on with my life, I don't have the right to look down or to judge those people. And in, no, the, no. in the atheist, yeah, exactly. You know, we are attracted to each other because there are, there are common threads, you know, common experiences, you know, common things that, you know, that, you know people of color have with one another. And there are times when we want to talk about that. I mean, you know, we're sitting back and we're talking about how when we were younger, when we were little, how we had to be home before the street lights came on. You know, some people can't relate to that. You know, talking about, you know, block parties, you know, in in Chicago, every summer there would be a block party party. You know, talk about when McDonald's was having the little double-dutch tournaments and how it would go every summer. I mean, so just things that we understand. I mean, even as, you know, members of churches, you know, former Christians, how we would talk about how we had to go to those shut-ins, and they locked you in, and some of the experiences we had. And, you know, different things, like, it's meaningful.
3: It is. I'm I'm sorry, guys. Um, Just... Uh, Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, right. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Um, First of all, thanks for letting me on the show again. I appreciate it. Um, Awesome show. I love you guys and just doing a great job. I just want you to know that. Um, The main thing I wanted to mention, um, Kim, you brought up a point earlier specifically about how anger – really genuinely can be destructive in that, you know, coming out of Christianity is a process where you move from your your starting position is that of, you know, betrayal. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, you know, I struggle with a lot. And I, when you told me about, or when you, rather, when you told, when you talked about um, the process that you went through in terms of being angry at the world and being angry at Christianity and um, even having certain things be blamed on religion and trying to find productive ways around that, I 100% relate to that because it's one of those things that it's hard not to feel angry about being lied to. It's like coming out of the matrix. Yes. And looking around you and you really do feel like Neo. When he looks at all the bodies and he looks at all the people being hooked up to those machines, you really – it's really hard not to react to people's attitudes because they're hooked up to the machine and they don't want to get out. It's almost as if the truth does not matter to them, but the thing I had to learn very quickly was that I couldn't, I couldn't use that and take it personally because everybody is on their own journey. And you can't force somebody to actually come out from a delusion that they don't want to wake up from. Yeah. You can only give them the information and you can only be as peaceful and as calm as possible because quite, quite frankly, Christians are actually looking for atheists to be, you know, this angry, shouting out loud stereotypes so that they can verify their beliefs. And they actually do go out to these churches and say, Well, you know, this is why they're acting this way, because they need Jesus. And I'm not about to be I'm not about to look like that idiot. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And believe it or not. What you there said was some there
2: is interesting about the anger. Uh mm-hmm. I started out in Catholic church, but I pretty much fell out with it by the second grade. It it didn't make any sense to me. However, <laughs> somewhere around about when I was eighteen, nineteen, maybe twenty, I don't know, I was very angry with my parents forever putting me in that position. I was very you know, why did you you know, give me maybe I would have been a Christian if you wouldn't have made me go. Maybe I would have been, but you know, I, I thought about that, then I had to say they were only doing what they thought was best for me. But there for a while I was really, really peeved about it because I said you never gave me a chance. You know, maybe right. I would have come there by myself. And on the other hand, I don't. I, I think that I wouldn't have because, like I said, by second grade, I pretty much said, "Oh, this is a load of crap," you know. And so that's what it did. But I did have that anger, just like you mentioned. Only when it was directed
1: someplace else. Right, exactly. And, you know, I've had that issue, you know, angry with my, with my mom and, you know, different relatives and, you know, been there, done that, had a whole bunch of why questions. And when the answers were coming back, well, I did the best that I could. This is what we've known. This is all that we've known. Um, and I thought this was the right thing to do. And while I wanted more than that, I understood that she couldn't give me more than that. And that was all that she knew. You know, we came from a long line of creatures. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's definitely. uh,
2: Exactly. You you had no chance to get away from it.
3: And the other thing you have to consider, too, I'm sorry. mm -hmm. Go ahead. no, the other thing you have to consider too, and this is something else that really brought things into perspective and caused me to just slow myself down and really evaluate my approach, is that when it comes to parents, when it comes to any authority figures, when you're raised to believe that if you don't believe, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. I mean, what else? I mean, it's like… Of course they're going to act like that. Of course my mom is going to raise me as a Christian because she doesn't want me to go to hell. And the first question that came when I actually – because I've been an atheist for, like, the last two years. When I first came out and said, I don't believe in this anymore, the first question out of her mouth was, why do you want to go to hell so badly? (laughs) I don't want you to go there. And she had tears in her eyes. Like, I'm – i want- you, I want so badly to see you in heaven, and that nearly ripped me apart
0: yeah and yeah. It, the,
3: the insidious part of Christianity is that it takes perfectly normal people, loving people, people who have genuine, sincere hearts, and twists yeah. them
0: mhm towards right. an objective
3: and it uses and it uses the parents' love you know against their own rationality and it it genuinely destroys parents because they always feel like they didn't do a good enough job in the eyes of God, and that's just, it's horrible to watch.
1: Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And our dial-in number, well, let me let everybody know if they want to call in. The dial-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273, and you can also Skype to the show, go to the show page, and click the big blue S. Go ahead, Dr. Barbera.
2: Uh, well, you know, when you talk about these things, and you mentioned some other things earlier about why we, you know, we're not about, you know, separating. Uh, a lot of times, things are separated for us because exactly. everything that you find in the world at large is also here within this community, and okay. there are, yeah, people within this community who don't care for. Uh, other ethnic groups, that uh, they, they don't care about women. And so it's the same thing that you find in greater society, you find it here. However, exactly. one thing that I have found here that seems to be pretty much uh, endemic to this thing is a higher level of thinking, that uh, people say, well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's, let's think about that for a second. Uh, they're willing to do that rather than, well, Pretty much, if you think about it, if you look at fascism, that's pretty much what it's all about. That people don't stop to think, and next thing you know, you're under fascist government. You, know, you just right. have to stop
3: questioning. Yep.
2: So exactly. you know, and, it, and it's
3: not a. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, um, it's not a coincidence to me that you know when you look at, and to me it's just sad. But when you look at so many of these mega churches. And you see uh-huh. things like youth youth ministries and things of that nature. Like I live in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, I don't you very few. I don't know if you've actually heard of this church, but it's called the Word Church. Um, yeah, out in Cleveland, Ohio, and yeah, so they're the way that they conduct youth services and things of that nature. When you look out at these mega churches, it's no surprise to me that their approach to their leaders is and you know, people are gonna be shocked and upset that I said this, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they have the same attitude towards their pastors that the Hitler youth had. Unquestioning obedience and authority. Yes.
1: Right. The pastors exalted Exactly. That's right. That's right. And and it happens and And this is the thing, and, you know, I do a lot of comparative analysis of the Christian community and the atheist community, and I'm starting to see some of that same behavior exhibited in the atheist community. So when certain atheist leaders, if you will, speak, people get angry when you question it or you challenge it or you critique it, and it's it's just interesting. But I want to double back to something that you said earlier when you were talking about your mother and the tears in her eyes and, you know, wanting to know, you know, why do you want to go to hell? And then they feel as though they failed as a parent. And, you know, I stopped believing when I was 11, 12, somewhere in that age range. And I went back to the church in my um, late 20s, early 30s, somewhere in there. And, you know, now that I've come back to my non-belief, you know, I have, family members and friends that will not discuss it with me. They know exactly where I stand, where you know, what I believe. They know about the show, the webcast. They know about everything that I'm doing, but they refuse to have that conversation with me. And so, you know, just in case someone is listening, you know, from my family now, which I think they do listen to the show, um, you didn't do anything wrong. No. You didn't do anything wrong. This doesn't have anything. It's not a direct reflection of, of how I not. was raised or anything because, again, you know, this is my non-belief. And, you know, I just want to let you guys know that, you know, we still love you and we'll still be here for you. We'll still do everything we can. You know, in some cases, depending on the person, I probably would die for you. You know, but, yeah, yeah you, but you have didn't do difference. anything wrong.
2: Go ahead, Don. No, it's that you have a different point of view that really is more based, you're you're like a realist, you know, and being a realist isn't always comfortable. Uh, I have a friend that calls me all the time from California, I'm in Dallas, by the way, Uh, I'll talk about that in a second, but he's in California, calls me constantly, and any time that I mention anything about death or dying, oh, he tries to, no, 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 we got a long time to go and blah, blah, blah. And You know, the fact is, is that I know, at least as far as I know, no one has left here alive. I, I mean, that's pretty much a cold <laughs> right, fact. right,
1: right.
2: <laughs> and it just bothers him, you know, is that I say, well, you know, our time is getting limited every day. And that just bothers him, no thing, you know. And I just say, well, you know. She said, well, what? Well, yeah. I said, I, I, some time ago, I, for some reason, I got unafraid of dying, you know. It's part of the circle of life, and I'm gonna just like everybody else, I gotta go. It's just, exactly. It was just and one of those. However, when I was in Catholic school, oh man, and, uh, when I remember in the first grade, oh, they taught you that if you did not. Do this was just like you said You're going to go to hell And you're going to suffer uh, The rest of Eternity And uh, that was one of the things I always said That for me that the Catholic church was one of the best things Of turning me <laughs> away And
3: <laughs> because, I would say the see, same right? thing
2: Yeah they They put you there
3: And I would say the same thing about You know the Pentecostal church too Um I was raising that ever since I was 8 years old and um just like just like the uh gentleman said and I'm sorry uh what is your name sir?
2: Actually my name is Don. You just call me Don.
3: All right Don. Um you're you made some awesome points by the way. I just want to congratulate you on that. Um and I'm sorry if if I interrupt, I apologize. Um you can <laughs> let me know so that way I can let you talk again. But um oh. Okay, so, but no, um, I was being raised in the Pentecostal church and, you know, later becoming an evangelical in my teens and, you know, my mid to late 20s. I I can only be angry at so long before I have to thank them for basically making claims that were falsifiable. So when they talk about, you know, how people are going to suffer in hell and heaven for an eternity and whatnot, I ask them. Can you show me heaven? Can you show me hell? What research have you done? Right. You know, and all these other things. And you know, I also grew up in a culture that was, you know, really hardline end times. Jesus is going to come back any day now. Um, right attitude and approach to things. And it's this. Wow. It's this myopic. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> That's one of the things, honestly, that, it was, the, that was the very first thing that, caught, that put a dent in my faith was questioning the eschaton and asking right. myself questions like, okay, so if we're living in the end times, why should I bother getting an education? Why should I bother having a family if it's all going exactly. to be ripped away from me? I mean, oh, believers, 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 want to talk, believers want to talk about how I don't have any purpose in my life because I don't believe. They want to talk about how I don't have any external meaning to my life, but they don't have any meaning outside of their God and wanting the afterlife. They live to die. It, I've always, and
1: that's the thing. That's part. But I am just going to say that's why we have to get in there. We have to have this dialogue, and we have to talk. And even with the people of color beyond faith, we want believers to come on. We want to balance those those paddles, and it's important because that's a very very astute point that you just made. That they're living to die, and you know it, it, it's really interesting. It's a dichotomy within itself because. You know, a lot of people, like I said earlier, you know, gave up opportunities, you know, gave up, you know, furthering or even, you know, starting their education because Jesus is coming back anyway, and then 20 years later, when they're still here, they have regrets, and, you know, and it's just interesting because I really believe that a lot of that is the foundation of some of the issues that we have in our communities, and that's why we encourage people to question, we encourage people to challenge, we encourage people to critique, that is extremely, extremely important, and so we have to get back into the community, and as, you know, atheists or free thinkers or humanists or what you may call yourself, I just feel as though We should be able to engage Christians, you know, and other, you know, believers in conversations, civil, productive conversations. And it's not about stumping the Christian. It's not about debating the Christian. They're a human being just like us. Now, debates and all of that, that's fine you know, for that type of environment and for that setting, but there are some people that want to debate everything and anything, and nothing productive comes from that, because it gets to a point where no one is listening to one another. They're screaming verses and, you know, Bible verses on this side, and you have people on the other side screaming hitches or dockets. And, you know, nothing, nothing gets done. So, that's why, you know, we say, you know, atheism definitely isn't enough, but It's really interesting because, you know, the point that you made there just makes me think about some of the issues that we do have in the community. And one of the things that I've heard from, you know, just in general is, you know, especially in communities where there is a lot of violence and, you know, a lot of, you know, issues there, you know, the question that I've heard from many people are, well, there's a church on every corner, yet, you know, the violence is high. Now, okay, I'm going to go into that a little bit. Um, You know, the murder rates, the pregnancy rates, all of that is disproportionate. And, you know, you have people out here, even in the atheist community, that like to dwell on, excuse me, the quote-unquote pathology of the black community. And they like to point the finger at the black church as though, you know, it's the black church's fault if you will, but they're not taking into account, you know, the public policies, the lack of educational opportunities, you know, the lack of economic opportunities, all of those are factors as to why, you know, there are certain issues um, in our communities, but they tend to overlook that or, you know, willfully ignore, you know, that part of the equation there. And that's why, you know, I talk a lot about education. I talk a lot about, you know, research and putting the information out there. I just want to make sure that, you know, we do not allow ourselves to be utilized by people that um, – do not, you know, have our best interests at heart because something that Don said earlier about the atheist community, and he's absolutely correct, is a direct reflection, a direct mirror of society as a whole. So you're going to have people that are sexist. You're going to have people that are racist. You're going to have homophobes. You're going to have anti-Semites. You know, it's just a long list, you know, of people. You know, even within the black atheist community, we have issues with colorism.
2: And you
1: know
0: homophobia and a bunch of other.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, now. Here's I'm just going to drop this in for a second because it has nothing to do with nothing, except uh, my middle son uh, was in a hit and run accident in Denver, and uh, he had a punctured lung, lacerated liver. Anyway, the good thing is that he made it through. But uh, the Denver. TV station came out and did a story on him, you know, and what he does. But the interesting thing that happened here, you know, you know, after this point was, uh, one of the people here saw that on uh, the link on uh, YouTube or wherever it was, and made the comment that he's quite well spoken. Now this was a black person said he's quite mm-hmm. well spoken, and I was truly. A- offended at that kind of thinking, you know, as I said, well, why shouldn't he be well-spoken? You know, uh, right. Exactly. It, it, you know, that was the whole thing, is that why shouldn't he, and why shouldn't he, the people that you see on television who happen to come from a certain ethnicity, why should they expect it to be any less than anybody else? That, it really bugs me, but that gets me back to the whole thing. Uh, for some reason, if you tell... Uh, place where I go to the gym, there, and the guy said, what church you go to? I, and he couldn't let it go. I told him, I said, I don't go to church. He said, well, you can come to my church. I said, I really don't go to church. And fi- He kept on, and finally I said, look, I don't believe in God, so I can't, oh, you'd have said, thought I shot the president, okay. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I, I tried my best to avoid talking that subject with him, but he wouldn't let it go. So anyway, let me try
1: right back out and listen.
3: Uh, You know what, Don? Well,
1: well, one thing I wanted to say to Don was I'm glad that your son is recovering. So I'm really happy to hear that. So I just wanted to make sure, you know, that I stated that. Go ahead, Ray.
3: No, um, what I was going to say is um, Don made a pretty awesome point, too, in regards to um, black stereotypes. And, Kim, you made an excellent point regarding, you know, how – a lot of atheist groups That are not I would say experienced in issues within the black community You know I've had to actually call out people that I know For stereotyping The black community as being You know Nothing but poor You know Downtrodden mm-hmm. Sacks of mm-hmm. people That don't contribute anything to society And I've, you know, I've had to confront these ideas Even from non-believers that I know when they exactly. say, oh, well, you know, these kids are just doing it to themselves, you know, they act so ghetto and this and that, and I'm like, no, no, uh, okay, stop, wait a minute. I know these neighborhoods, and I know that, yes, it does seem like there are black communities that don't want to do better, but that's because you don't actually live in them you don't live with uh-huh. the kids that actually want to learn about their abc's they want to learn about math that want to learn about science that want to actually learn and create better opportunities for themselves but aren't given the resources to do so you don't hear exactly. about all the kids that are getting straight a's in their class and are actually intending on going to college and are actually trying to avoid things like gang recruitment and gang rather gang recruitment you know they're trying to avoid things like drug recruitment there are temptations right. on every single corner. And that's right. Stereotype this and say, well, that's all that they're good for, and I don't want to know about any of these black kids, and that they're just going to – it's just disgusting to me. And, you know, I've had to call several people out on their stereotypes when they've, they've actually come after me and said, how can you come from an urban neighborhood and yet have this many books? know these many words, know these many sentences, be able to speak on all these issues. And they're like, but wait a minute, you come from this area. How could you possibly know about that? And I said, I want to learn just like anybody else in any other neighborhood. The only difference between me and you is where I was born.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's, It's about having that desire. It's about having that desire. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, you know, as, you know, a nonbeliever, you know, when I do talk to Christians, is in many cases, you know, they do have a desire to learn, but in so many, so many times they've been told, well, you know, let the Holy Spirit teach you, or the Bible has the answers, or God We're will answer you.
3: Lean not on that own understanding.
1: That's right, that's right, that's right. And that's why, you know, when I get to talking to them, I'll send them links, I'll talk with them, and encourage them to learn, even with this show. You know, I make this show friendly and available to non-believers and believers because I do know that believers listen to the show, and I always challenge them to fact-check me, to go. And as they're fact-checking me, they're learning more information. You know, all I'm trying to do is stoke that fire. You know that wanting to, le- to learn, that willingness to kind of open their mind a little bit. You know, I, I, you know, it's just piqued that interest. That's important to me. And you know, again, you know, when you were talking about you know, some of the, you know, atheists of color in this community that continue to perpetuate certain stereotypes. Yeah, I've seen that as well. And <laughs> it's just really interesting. And when you try to, and when I say perpetuate, I'm talking about, you know, they try to say that, you know, yes, this is how black people think and this is how they act. And especially when they get on a speaking circuit and they start saying these things. And I just absolutely cringe. I cringe because the thing is that they don't, you know, address certain issues that, you know, we address, and it is a part of the equation. You know, white privilege is a very real thing. White supremacy is a very real thing. Um, And, you know, unfortunately with, you know, one particular, um, you know, issue here um, that's happening is, there are people out here, again, that will blame the black church and the black community and tell them to pick themselves up by their bootstraps. But while they're doing that, they're giving a double-ended answer because when they give their answer, you know, that's what they're saying to a certain degree, and, of course, that's what, you know, especially some of these racists, they'll hear, yes, it's all black people's fault. If they would just, you know, clean up their community and, you know, police themselves, everything will be fine. But then, you know, you have some black people, when they hear that, they'll hear and, you know, say, yes, you know, we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We need to do all of these things, but, you know, how do we do that? And people are not providing solutions. People are not providing solutions or opportunities.
2: Go ahead, Doc. You mentioned something there, and I'm kind of chuckling to myself. This might be before your time. But uh, there was a fellow around. His name was Stokely Carmichael.
0: Oh, love uh, him. Yes, (laughs)
2: Yes, <laughs> and Stokely, uh, he said one of the things he said. Two things I'm going to mention. One of them was to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. First of all, you got to have bootstraps uh, to, right. to do that. And the other thing he said: there's a lot of folks out there who are professional blacks. Not yes. uh, their their profession is being black. They are the mm-hmm. blacks. They become the black spokesperson. Uh, you know, and people will go talk to them, and when you say, why are you talking to them? I mean, they don't know a damn thing about me, you know, And exactly. but that's what they You still see them today, and that's where they do it. Their passion is being black.
1: Exactly, I and you're absolutely right. The people pay them to go away. People aren't paying them because they feel that they've wronged the community. They're paying them to go away. And it's political blackness. Real- Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I see the same thing somewhat being set up in this community, and we sit back, and, you know, sometimes I'm absolutely amused by it. Other times I'm absolutely incensed. And and it's, it's just, wow, it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. But you're, you're correct. There are people out here who are professional blacks. And, you know, when you try to challenge, you know, uh, some of their beliefs, then you become the nasty piece of cornbread. That's what they want to call you, right? And so uh, it's, 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 it's interesting because now all of a sudden you're negative. All of a sudden now you're the troublemaker. All of a sudden now you're lacking tact and you're lacking courtesy and you're not being thoughtful because, you know, um, now they have people critiquing and criticizing and questioning them. So, you know, that's not what they want, you know, and when you critique them, then, you know, there's a problem. But the thing is, is that why is it that your words and your speech or your ideology, you know, can't stand up to the criticism? It's oh. not me. The critic is you.
0: So, yeah, you know, if you're
1: going with faith, it has nothing to do with that.
2: That's about character.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's about character. Can your character stand up to the critique? Can your words stand up to the critique? Because, you know, there are times when I really want to take some of these things and break them down precept upon precept. And unfortunately, in the black community as a whole, you know, just, and that includes the black atheist community, unfortunately, when you critique or criticize another person of color, it's like you've committed a cardinal sin, if you will.
2: I call it the Negro
1: Thought Police. Exactly, exactly. 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 But then, you know, they say, well, we can take care of this behind closed doors or call one another. But even if you do talk behind closed doors and try to resolve the issue, this person has their mind set up. This is how they're going to do A, B, and C, and they're going to continue doing it that way. Why? Because the mainstream accepts that. And unfortunately, yeah. for those of us that have a different thought process and we can give you facts to back up why what you just said there was wrong, you know in in many cases, the mainstream doesn't necessarily want to hear that because it does not it does not you know shield. This white, you know, supremacy and the white privilege, and it's just, it's just amazing. It's absolutely amazing, you know, some of the things that are happening. But again, you know, we're still in our infancy, you know, the um, yes. atheist community, you know, the humanist yes. community. And there was a poll released um, earlier this week. I posted it, and it was from MIT and in conjunction with the University of Chicago. It was like a sociological. Um, survey or what have you, and basically, it was talking about how 18% of the country is not religiously affiliated anymore, and those numbers are going up. We're seeing more people of color, um, you know, basically having the scales fall from their eyes or having the veil lifted to use some of that religious terminology there, but they're awakening. And that's the reason yeah. why I feel that it's important that we are in place, which is why I'm happy to see, you know, you know, the groups of color across the country, because they need a soft place to land. They need a soft place to land, and unfortunately, what I see with, you know, some of these mainstream groups, and even with some of the black, you know, you know, atheists of color, is when the Christians come over, I see some people pointing fingers at them telling them that yeah. they were stupid, not taking into account that at one point they were possibly a Christian themselves. And it took right. them a while to come over. So they're pointing the so finger at the everyone. everyone. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just not right. There are a lot of Christians out there that are highly intelligent, brilliant people, but Thank they you. just have this belief system. And if you were born with that, if you were raised with that, and this is all you know. It's hard to break away from that, especially when it goes beyond your particular belief, when it goes to your family has been in that church for two, three, four generations. Maybe your great-great-granddaddy founded the church. You know, this is your family. I
2: call it uh, that a lot of us were born addicted, like having a crack mother or uh, like that. You were born addicted. You didn't have any choice in the matter. That's what happened to you. This doesn't mean that you cannot change. It doesn't mean that you will change, but at least when you start from scratch, you have an opportunity to become yourself. And, you know, and I think by coming, becoming yourself, you become a better contributor to society. You know, regardless of your faith.
1: Yes. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, one thing that I know I used to stress when I first started the show a few years ago is it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to make mistakes. That's how you learn. You know, I've had to come back and admit things that I was wrong about. And, you know, I admit it, I correct it, and I move on, and I don't feel any kind of way about it. You know, I take it as a compliment because there are times when people have corrected me, and I appreciate that because it allows me to grow as an individual. And, you know, I've learned a lot of, you know, I've had to relearn some things as an adult, and especially even now, I'm still shedding, you know, a lot of that Christian thought. And it's so embedded in our culture that, you know, when someone sneezes, you know, it's hard to to not say bless you You know And I have to say something Most of the time I say be well Or tide Or something Because I've become So conditioned To you know Saying something But you know Again I want to make sure That you know We highlight Some of the good things That did come out Of the church And that still do Come out of the church um, Vita Star You know One of the personalities Here on um, Black Freethinkers She was on her page And she was talking About all of the Wonderful things That she learned in church. I mean, that's where many of us learned, you know, how to sing. That's how many of us learned how to put together fashion. You know, went to vacation Bible school, gave us something to do during the summer. That's how, you know, some of us learned how to act, you know, with the plays at church. This is how some of us learned how to socialize, learn some social skills by going to the church. This is how some of us learned how to be a friend. You know, by having friends at church and understand that, you know, you could have a sister that didn't come from the same mother or father. You have a brother that didn't come from the same mother or father. Develop friendships. There are a lot of good things that have come from the church. Then the church does, in some cases, offer good services. You know, you know if, if someone in the neighborhood is hungry and that church, you know, has food giveaways or, or feed the hungry programs, you know, that's where they go. And the church has always been the focal point, you know, of the community. It's been like a recreational center. It's been, you know, a resource center. I mean, it has a lot of functionality. And when I hear some, you know, atheists saying that they just totally want to abolish the church, my question is, so what are we going to put in its place? And I'm talking more so along the lines of resources, resources because without the church there is really nothing there And unfortunately, and I've I've been harping on this because I need to drill it into people's heads and they need to understand that the GOP, you know, the Republicans and even the libertarians are fooling church folks because what they want to do is basically reduce the size of government, if you will, i.e., you know, kill all social programs and put all of that responsibility on the churches and they cannot handle it and it is going to fail.
0: Yeah.
2: Then what? Well, yeah, but you know, uh, I, I got to say this, and my granddaughter just come in, uh, my brand new granddaughter, by the way. Anyway, uh, she just come in. Congrats. Anyhow, you can't put that. On. The, the people, you know, there are like you said, many things to come out of that. And I think that when you get into finger pointing and all that, I think you defeat your purpose. I think the better right. thing is to find common ground. If you can find mm-hmm. common ground, then you can find a common solutions that you can work with. But i got to go exactly. in here now because my, my darling's
1: here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to go get all the
2: two
1: kisses, the baby kisses. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Barbera, and I'll be talking with you soon about the webcast in April, okay? Okay, I appreciate it. You guys have a great one. You too, sir. Thank Thanks, you. Man. Yeah, Don, he's a great guy, Um, Red Ninja, and, um, you know, published author. He wrote Black but Not Baptist. He also wrote The 80% Solution. So for those of you who are interested, you know, you can go on to Amazon and um, look up his book. Look up Black but Not Baptist. You know, that was one of the first books that I read when I came into the atheist community. So You know, he's been vital. He's been essential. And when you read Black but not Baptist, you'll see he talks a lot about you know, having a hard time finding atheists of color. So he found some of our, you know, our legends in the community like um, Norm Allen, and he found, you know, Kivu Hutchinson, and he found, you know, Anthony Penn. And so, you know, guys, if you aren't familiar with him, Don Barbera, you should get familiar with him because he's one of our legends as well. So I wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that and to thank him for taking time out to, you know, be with us today. Because this is an extremely important subject, you know, because there are more people of color coming into the atheist, humanist, free thought, um, non-believing community. And, you know, I just want to make sure that we don't set them up for failure, You know, because, you know, we have some of the same issues over here. This is not a utopia. Even though there are some people who would like to build it as a utopia, that is not true. And so I just think it's important that, you know, we understand what's happening and to appreciate each of us for who we are. And this is why we talk a lot about interfaith and working with progressive, liberal, um, you know, uh, believers. It's important because, you know, again, they have the bully pulpit. And I know some people are out there and they're asking, what is the bully pulpit? So when I say the bully pulpit, I'm talking about they have the ear of the people. They have the attention of the people. People are listening to them. You understand? And, you know, one example that I can give you, um, you know, LGBTQ community you know, um, you know, marriage equality, you know, you know, people are becoming more tolerant, people are becoming more supportive, people are becoming more accepting because you have, you know, a lot of liberal progressive, you know, ministries now saying that, you know, it's about, you know, people loving other people and who are we to judge, Who loves one another So you know They're becoming Same gender affirming In in many instances So I mean You know Again That's why we talk about These different issues This is why we talk about Respectability politics Carl and Alfred Had a really good show About respectability politics You know We've talked about it In many cases But you know Again You know Atheism is not enough Would you agree
0: Red
3: Absolutely Um and it never has been enough um, because at the end of the day we are all human beings with needs and the only thing we've got are each other. You know, we only have each other to create a better world because if a God doesn't exist that means it's on us. And that's
0: exactly.
3: it. You know, it's our responsibility Um Collectively, as human beings, to create the better world, because we've already given religion its chance to create the better world, and it's failed. Maybe exactly, and it's, and it's one of those things that um, it, portions. I do think, of course, that you know, the church has done very good things, and I have to give it credit for that. Um, but when you take the beliefs to their logical conclusion, um,
0: mm-hmm.
3: it's quite clear that the insidious thing about religion, Abrahamic religion especially, and Christianity right. in particular, is that it robs people of their desire to take responsibility. Exactly. And we have to hold them accountable for that. But once you get to that point where you say, okay, I am no longer convinced that a God exists, what am I going to do about it? Well, what that means is that that means you have to take the first step and establishing that you're going to leave this place a better place than it was when you came into it. So the first step is to say, what can I do to actually make the lives of our, my family and my friends better? And to actually grow myself, because you can't love other people. You can't give to other people when you don't give to yourself.
1: Exactly, and that's why it's important that we support one another. Um, With you know, Dr. Hutchinson, she has the first in a family humanist scholarship. And, again, Black Skeptics Group is a 501c3 organization. Um, They take donations, and they're taking donations now. We're in our donation drive for the scholarship program, and you can PayPal us. Um, The email address is. BlackSkeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's BlackSkeptics at gmail.com. And we're taking, you know, donations. You know, if you only have $5, that's fine. It adds up. And we're helping a lot of young folks. We gave five scholarships away last year, and we intend on giving five more scholarships away this year. As a matter of fact, um, there will be a webcast in which you will meet, you know, the young people that received the scholarships that so they can tell you about their first year of college because they were freshmen. Um, and also, Black Skeptics Group is taking donations for the Women Leadership Program. You know, and they definitely need um, funding for that right now because with this particular program, they take, you know, young ladies of all ethnicities and races, and they mentor them, they implement leadership skills, they take them on, um, you know, trips, sabbaticals, if you will, and they need all of the help that they can get, you know, financially, with resources, I mean, you know. And, and they also have, a, you know, a young male group as well, and you know they need resources for that as well. But I think that it's important that you know, as you know, Black non-believers, that we set ourselves up to go into the communities, and to you know be able to be of service to others. Because that's basically what that is, servicing the community, servicing others, you know, find ways to, you know, implement, you know, STEM programs, you know, find ways to implement, um, you know, just different economic opportunities to help the people in the community. I mean, I have so many ideas, and I've talked about them on the show. I don't want to go into it again because, you know, I I don't want to continue to repeat myself myself. But, you know, it's important that we go in and we establish ourselves, especially since this community is growing. And one of the first things that I hear from believers is, what is the secular community doing? And they've done a lot. A lot of people don't realize that the ACLU is secular, that Doctors Without Borders is secular. You have a lot of, you know, secular, um, you know, charities out here that help in the community, and they're growing. I see more and more popping up. But I need to see more in communities of color because, you know, we're hurting out here.
3: And and at the um, end of the day... Go ahead, Hunt. Oh, no, the other thing I was going to do is um, – the other thing – the other reason why it's important for black and minority atheists to be involved with their communities is it also has another effect of actually showing um, religious believers that you don't need a god to be good. Um, the thing that I get all of the time, all the time, and it is inevitable, is I get asked, okay – if you don't believe in God, where do your morals come from? Why, why be good, why be bad if there's no ultimate consequence and meaning in life? And what I tell them is, it's for the same reason that you go door to door and you preach and evangelize to people to accept Jesus as their Savior. It all comes down to creating the best of all possible worlds. It's just that what I do can be rooted in reality feeding the homeless creates the best of all possible worlds getting children educated creates the best of all possible worlds and it shows believers that you don't need this crutch of the god of israel in order to actually be a good human being and i think this is and this is for me um the most important reason why i desire to actually get involved with you know the community and be an outspoken atheist is because I want people to know that you don't need a God to be good. If you say that you need God to be good, I can't argue with you. Go for it. But I don't need that crutch because I already know what it's like to starve. And it doesn't feel good regardless of whether you're a religious believer or not. I know right. what it's like to be hurt. I know what it's like to be abandoned and to feel hopeless. Exactly. And I know what it's like to go hungry and all of these things. And I know and understand that going hungry, not being educated, not being taught, and not being given all the opportunities does create a worse possible world for all of us, regardless as to whether you believe or not. And you can show them that, yes, you can be moral. You can be a good person. You can be kind. You can be gentle. You can be patient. You are no worse for being an atheist emotionally and morally in our society than you are being a Christian and if anything I think you're an even morally better person because you're not compromised based on what a book says
1: and you know that's why I encourage people I did a series talking about the God concept it was a three-part series and I want people to go back and listen to that because it it was actually a really really good series And, you know, I was talking about the difference between, you know, white Christianity and black Christianity, whereas the white Christianity was used to subjugate and oppress black people then and somewhat now, Mm -hmm. and black Christianity was, you know, used to survive you know to be able to you know live through slavery and to try to you know glean a better understanding as to why is this happening to us, you know, and it's just really interesting and I just want people to go out and read and understand because you know even to this day um there are a lot of you know issues in our communities, especially when it comes to many of us being. Economically and educationally Disadvantaged And you know a lot of the Answers you know Are contained in books And in academia And that's one of the reasons why you know We read these books and we come back To the show and we tell people about it Because I know some of the things That I've learned over the years I was like Why didn't I know about this And it's because it was caught up in ivory towers If you will Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: again you know Tying that into, you know, the black community and the black church and black Christianity, you know, that belief, that hope, you know, again, Barack Obama ran on hope and belief. Um, That is what Christianity gives some people because, again, you know, some of these, you know, people, they're extremely intelligent and there are a lot of injustices, you know, in this country. Um, there are, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that have to be addressed. And, you know, with some people, you know, there are some people that I want them to remain Christians. And I have my reasons why. Because, you know, until we have a way to help some of these people um, transition and have a soft landing, and have viable alternatives out there. For some people, that is the best place for them to be because yeah. it's, 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 just, it's, it's just interesting because it's, it's rather complex, and it can be very complicated. But, you know, I'll, I'll talk about some, you know, atheists of color that I've seen in this community. As a matter of fact, one young person, you know, you know went through my news feed um, the other day, and, you know, my heart just broke because there's nothing that I can do for this young person, you know, at this time. But, you know, they were talking about how they just left Christianity, you know, a few years ago, if you will, and not Christianity, they were Muslim, my apologies. Um, And when they were, you know, part of that particular world, they didn't drink, they didn't do drugs or anything, but when they left, and found their non-belief, now they're, you know, drinking and drugging and they can't stop. And my heart broke.
3: Yeah, my heart broke and young I, I was going to say, um, thankfully, um, I haven't had to actually face, you know, that kind of a crisis, you know, and I'm fortunate enough that I don't have to face that, but that does get to the core, um, of why we need, why we also need atheist groups out there. And, and it's because so so many people become so angry. It's almost... And I even had to confront myself about this. Um, there's this stereotype that when you lose your belief in God, you become angry at a God. And you become angry at the indoctrination. And unfortunately, because you don't. You haven't been given a good foundation for moral values outside of what it is that you knew for decades of your life. Um, it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy for some atheists to come out and do whatever they want because they've been told, well, you know what? Hey, if I don't believe in God anymore, I don't have to be responsible. Um, there is no higher power watching me. And I can do whatever I want at any time and not be held accountable. And we hear so often Christians and Muslims saying, well, without a God, of course, they're going to go and do whatever they want because you need a God to keep yourself moral. And so many atheists become self-fulfilling prophecies for the religion to use and go, well, that's what happens when you deny God. And because so many uh, Christians and Muslims grow up being told that this is the only good thing that they can ever have in their lives. And they're going to act exactly like that when they come out of non-belief and are not given a soft landing, when they're not given examples of people to go and say, these people are living productive lives without the need for God. So they don't know how to handle that freedom. They don't know how to handle that escape route. And nobody's actually catching them and actually saying, look, here is how you can be productive without a, without a belief in God. You don't have exactly. to be angry. You don't have to be bitter. And they're not given that soft landing. And we're not. It's it's almost as if you have to reeducate yourself in how to actually live a normal life because it does get exactly. overwhelming.
1: Exactly, you're absolutely correct. That's why what I said earlier. You know, I'm having to unlearn a lot of you know the. Christianity, that I've learned a lot of the ideology, a lot of the habits. And, yes, you know, you have to deprogram yourself, unlearn a lot of things. But while you're unlearning, you know, some of the, you know, know, the ideology that you grew up with or that's surrounding you, you have to build back up as well. You have to relearn a lot of things, and that can be difficult. It's very difficult. You know, I'm a living example of it. Trust me, there are days when I am in total conflict. You know, cognitive dissonance one for one, okay? And it's, it's just, it's really interesting. But yes, you know, we have to give them a soft place to land. But the first thing we need to do is when they come over is to let them know that it's okay. And, right. you know, and they have not, and, that the, not exactly. and that it's not their fault. Exactly.
3: It's not their fault.
1: It's not. It's not, you know, and show some compassion and show some understanding and not point fingers at them, not tell them that they're stupid, not tell them that, you know, they brought it on themselves. No, no, that's just wrong thinking. Right, because they already
3: got enough of that. They already got enough of that from their churches. They get enough from that from their family and their friends telling them that, of course, you're stupid for not believing in God. That's why you're in the situation that you're in. You need prayer. You need Jesus and all these other things. They hear enough of that from the religious. We don't need to add to that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, again, you have Stockholm Syndrome, and that's why, you know, some of these people that are under abusive pastors or abusive leadership, they stay because they feel, well, you know, know, that was the Holy Spirit or God speaking through him. It's really not him. And, you know, just all of that. Yeah, you know, and I want to that we don't set the same problem up over on this side. So, yes, I will continue to critique, you know, other people and things that they say and things that they do. Yes, I'm going to do that. And it's actually going to be more direct. So, you know, this year started off with a bang. You know, I guess we're just going to be throwing, you know, incendiaries for the rest of the year because it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed, but yeah, but not you know talking about the you know the Stockholm syndrome, you know they're you know many of them are being abused, you know they're being blamed for being the victim, you know I mean what kind of logical sense does this, you know if you're poor then you've committed a sin because you're poor because God has you know put the riches here for you to have but you haven't figured out. No, 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 no. That is not how that works. And that's why I feel that the prosperity, gospel, the word of faith churches, why I feel that they are extremely dangerous.
3: Extremely Can I tell you a story? Dangerous. Can I tell you a story? Sure, go ahead. Um, huh? I'm not gonna take up, you know, the rest of your time telling this because, you know, it's a public broadcast. I want to make sure that if other people are listening to this they get the chance to speak and, you know, do all on the topics, but yeah, um, the a year before I came out, you know, I was caught up in first, you know, an evangelical mega church and then shortly after that, once I started questioning a lot of the bigotry that was going on in the LGBT community, um, I got caught up in a Word of Faith church, and one of my... Now, exes at the time brought me to this church, and up to this point, I was questioning so many things, you know, and I was, like, literally on the verge of a nervous breakdown because the woman that I was with was absolutely um, insistent that God spoke to her and said that I was her husband and (laughs) just insisted. Over and over again, it sounds hilarious until, you know, mm-hmm. you have to. It's like I was in a position in which I honestly had extremely low self esteem about myself, and of course I was always taught, you know, lean out on your own understanding, listen to listen to the people of God, listen to the Word of God. They know better than you do, and for the longest time, I was in agony because I kept trying, I kept praying over and over and you know asking the God that I believed in do you want me to be in this relationship? Do you want me to be in this church? Do you want me to be practicing this, practicing that? And it came to a head roughly two years ago when I listened to this despicable word of faith preacher get up and say that and I quote God is going to reveal signs to you one day about the decisions that you're making and you're going to turn your life around and change your mind including one about the relationship that you had with this girl and you know after being prayed over and you know having people attempt for me to be slain in the holy spirit the guilt <laughs> that came over me I know right? it's the guilt that came over me at that moment and the fear that came over me at that moment it was It was laughable, but yet it was tragic, because here I am telling myself, "I don't believe any of this. This is nonsense, and yet you know, they they find ways of heightening the emotion in the room, and uh-huh, I, it came to a point where I, it forced me to confront the fact that I no longer believed in these ideas. And then, you know, the same preacher takes me and my ex to the back room and starts asking questions. And that's when I realized that I was being manipulated, not just exactly. by the creatures, but by my ex-girlfriend. And oh, yes. and, 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 and oh, yes. at that moment, I just start, I started asking myself, why did I allow myself to get caught up in this? Why did I allow myself to be so gullible? And I felt guilt about that for years. And I still right. have to, you know, combat that feeling that I had of, What if I'm wrong? Right. And, you know, and it's, and it's, it's taken, it's taken therapy. It's taken, um, talking to other people and, you know, I'll have Christians, you know, when I tell that story and not many people actually know about that, um, in my own personal life, but when I tell that story, Christians always go, well, of course they were lying. They were manipulating you and all this nonsense and, of course, God doesn't reveal signs and talk to people, and, of course, I don't believe in people being, you know, word of faith and prophecy and all this, but I start asking them, why would that put limits on a God that exists? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly, and someone in the chat room said that's a problem. It's a very controlling thing. Pastors want to be a part of controlling people's lives, and that is correct. You know, you have a lot of that out there. And the reason why I was laughing when you first started telling that story is I've seen many situations, but, you know, one particular close friend of mine um, was going through the same thing, and she was interested in this young man, and she kept, saying that um you know, he was supposed to be her husband. She went out, bought the wedding gown, picked out the bridesmaid dresses, had all of the decorations, everything wow. and he didn't even know he was getting married yet, but you know, she had planned it all. And and when he didn't marry her, you know, she was crushed. You know, she was absolutely crushed. And You know, that happens a lot. And in the situation that you're in, I am almost positive that she talked to that particular minister or pastor um, about you. And and basically, you know, that's how you were pulled into the back room. And, you know, before they prophesied, you know, because, you know, like, you know, God had revealed this. There's a lot of manipulation there. And you yeah. know, um, Peter Popoff got busted. I believe it was James Randy who Randy. gives incredible hugs. If you all ever meet James Randy, make sure you get a hug from him. He gives great hugs. And you, you know, uh, <laughs> he busted him because um, basically, you know, they would get people's information and they were feeding it to the, you know, to the pastor and making it seem as though he was prophesying. What he was doing was prop And it happens often. <laughs> and you know, they, you know, that's why you know they come over there and they love bomb you, if you will, and get to asking all of these personal probing questions, you know, I mean, you know, if you want to go through an interrogation, be a a new person at a church, especially one of those small churches. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. Exactly. There's no doubt about it. It is about control, and, you know, it's just interesting because, you know, some of the control gets to the point that they don't want people dating outside the church. They want everyone within the church to date within the church because they don't know what those other people have been taught, and they're afraid that you're going to be brainwashed by someone that's not a part of that organization, and, you know, it's just, you know, interesting, you know, and you know, yeah, and, you know, the person in the chat room, they're saying, you know, people always tell you to talk to your pastor. And in many cases, these pastors are unqualified or underqualified. And it's just interesting because, um, like I said, I come from a long line of preachers. I know a bunch of them. You know, I'm still cool with quite a few of them. And, you know, they know they don't know the majority of this you know, what's happening out here, they're, they're there to be cheerleaders. They're there to give people some hope, if you will, and in many cases, you know, some of them are con artists, and, you know, this is an employment opportunity, which kind of ties back into something that I was talking about earlier, about educational and economic disadvantages. Unfortunately, being a pastor, being a preacher is a career choice, for some people and it's one of the easiest career choices you set up a church and you tell them why they need to give you their money for god to bless them and you make a good living
3: go ahead honey no here's the other thing i was going to mention about that too um there's a reason why pastors and bishops and preachers discourage mental health counseling and why are you? How are you going to afford to pay them tithes when you're paying a therapist?
4: Exactly. Exactly. Of course, if, cause if
3: you're paying pretty... mental health, if you're paying mental mm-hmm. health uh, officials who are professionals, it's giving you an actual real solution that gives you demonstrable results. And the preachers and the pastors lose their mental power over you.
1: Exactly. But see, but see, the trick here's the trick. The trick is they figured that out. Now, we know this. You know, we're talking about this. But here's the flip side of that trick. That's when you started seeing all of these life coaches. That's when you started seeing all of this Christian Christian counseling. counseling. Exactly. And that's how they found a way to build Medicare, to build your insurance companies. And the state found a way to make money from it because you have to get certified or licensed or what have you. And it's all about money. It's all about money, you know. And in many cases, they don't want you to get better. I've seen people come out of Christian counseling more messed up than they were when they first went in. And so, again, you know, especially I'm at the, when
3: it comes, especially when it comes to this disgusting ex-gay therapy.
1: Yes.
3: Oh my yes. God. Oh,
1: that's a, that is a big scam. Now, again, our telephone number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. You can Skype into the show. But if you want to speak with us, you have to press 1. If you don't press 1, I don't know you want to talk. I just feel, figure that you're listening in. But, yeah, no, that ex-gay therapy, you know I've seen it and it's a scam And many of those people you know the ones That are running these you know Ministries or camps or You know they end up getting You know caught up themselves And get busted you know with rent Boys and you know A lot of different you know situations There and the thing is Is that you know that's one of the Reasons why we have you know some of The suicide rates that we have in The LGBTQ community Because they're constantly being told that they're sinning. They're constantly being told that they can change and why God hasn't changed you. As a matter of fact, there have been politicians that are trying to pass legislation that all members of the LGBTQ community must go through ex-gay therapy. And, you know, that's one thing that I do respect about the atheist community in general is the separation of church and state i do not want to live in a theocracy sorry i will fight you on that i'm sorry you know besides being you know forced to say the pledge of allegiance every day at school being forced to give a prayer and you know that they're trying to instill you know prayer back into school so that's why you know it's just interesting. So when I see them, you know, trying to force creationism, when I see people from, the, you know, the Satanist church or I see people from the Flying Spaghetti Monster or I see Muslims or Buddhists or whomever, you know, trying to get their, you know, um, information implemented as well, I feel that that is the right thing to do. If you're going to teach it, teach it all. Teach it all. And you know what?
3: Mm-hmm. Hey, do you remember um a couple of years ago when that hen- I, there was a news article you can actually look this up a hindu priest um actually went into a courthouse to officiate a prayer and the christians were absolutely livid yes they came out yes. and shouted and said stuff like how dare you blaspheme our god god forgive us for and i'm just thinking wait a minute why is he not allowed <laughs> to officiate his own prayer. You want to sit here and talk about how your religious freedoms are taken away, but what are you doing to those Muslims? They wouldn't dare allow a Muslim child to walk in and pray the Hadith out loud. They would freak out, but that's hypocrisy because you're taking away other religious groups' religious freedoms. But you want to complain when people want to take away your religious freedoms, which really isn't taking away any religious freedom… Because you can still pray in schools. You can still read a Bible in public. You can do all those things. You just can't force other people to do so. And if you don't like that concept, get out.
1: Exactly. And part of that is that religious privilege. We have a call from area code 301. 301, may I ask who's calling?
4: Hey, this is Stephen Funches. I'm from the D.C. area.
1: Hey, you're part of Chocolate City Skeptics. Hey, Steve, how are you? Yes, yes.
4: Hey, nice to finally talk to you. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure. But what were you going to
1: say to us today? Because I see you in the chat room. up.
4: Yeah, you know, you struck a nerve, so I had to to call in. Um, I remember a few minutes ago you were talking about the – you know the um, anti-gay um, You know uh, que- Pray the gay away and go to these you know, Pray the gay away churches and all this other stuff um, One of the issues I have is You know I am I am a gay man And that's unfortunately You know with this You know we're talking about these laws passing And you know it's okay to do this And, and, and religious freedom and, and there was a recent bill in Texas That actually didn't get passed Which I'm sure you're all familiar of About the um, passing of the religious freedom bill Which would allow you know A company to discriminate against um, gay people. And then actually I think a bill just passed in um, I forget which state was somewhere in the Midwest where it actually did get passed by the governor and signed. So there actually is a bill, there actually is a law that will go into place um, that will allow businesses to not serve um, people that are, you know, gay people or people are L- LGBT. And to me, okay. you know, that is not being religious. That's not, you know, religious freedom. You know, we all know that that's not religious freedom because that's forcing your belief on 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 me, Um, So, you know, I am a new atheist. I've I've just become an atheist maybe about six months ago. Um, And what I wanted to say earlier, I wanted to call in earlier, but, you know, sort of off topic, was, you know, being – coming out and not sure where to turn to because I had always questioned the Bible, always questioned religion. And up until about six months ago, I was very silent about, you know, my official not believing, and then I didn't know where to go. So luckily there was somebody that I happened to be friends with on Facebook that was an atheist of color and, you know, being able to talk to them, helped me meet other people in the area. But, um, you know, I just wanted to say this, this is something that we talked about earlier, that you guys were talking about earlier. You know, so I think it's important for us to have these resources in the community or for people to know that there are other black non believers that may exist because for a while I didn't know where to turn to or who to talk to. So, you know, shows like this and, and um, you know, these, these websites and, you know, black nonbelievers, Chicago City Skeptics, these kind of things I think, you know, are doing great, but we need to make them more aware so people can find them. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, what I wanted to touch base on.
1: Excellent, excellent, and that's, you know, what we're doing out here. Um Chocolate right. City Skeptic is part of, is one of the affiliates of Black Skeptics Group. And I'm the vice president of Black Skeptics Group, and we have um, a group in Chicago. We have the Los Angeles group, of course. We have the affiliate in the DMV, and we have another affiliate in Milwaukee. And we're growing, in addition to our sister affiliate, which is Houston Area Black non-believers, And, you know, the communities are growing, and we're getting out here, and... You know, I am glad, and I just thank you, Stephen, for listening to the show. And you have some wonderful people. You have M.C. Brooks, you have Raina, you have a a whole host of people. And, you know, you have some excellent teachers in your midst. So just try to soak up all of that great knowledge, and, you know, they're not going to steer you wrong. And, you know, I just, you know, I welcome you. Officially, Thank you. you know, to the Black Lives you know, we... Community, welcome, and you know that's why it's important that we do shows like this podcast and the yes, People of Color Webcast, and we're going to have you all on the Webcast once because I know we want to feature, you know, all of the groups, and basically, you know, we welcome, and you know, I want you. If you haven't listened to my three-part series on the God concept, you know, that's one of the first shows that I would recommend that people go and listen to, because you know I break a lot of things down, and that came from Michael Lackey's book, you know, and I'm actually um, working on getting him on the show, actually, and the name of that book is African American Atheists and Political Liberation, and it's one of the best books out there aside from Dr. Hutchison's. Um, moral Combat and Godless Americana, you know, you all have to read those as well.
0: Right. Great
1: books, with right. reference points. And so if you, especially if you want to un- understand from, you know, a person of color's perspective. Now, Michael Lackey is not a person of color, but the way he broke it down was exceptional absolutely exceptional and so that's why you know i recommend that book wholeheartedly but yeah now we you know um you know we talk about a number of issues because i mean sitting here and pontificating about you know being a black atheist or why we love christianity doing that week after week you know that gets kind of boring and it's not addressing Mm -hmm. and attacking the issues that you know we need to talk about as a matter of fact the next series that I'm going to talk about, you know, and I have to go back to what I said I was going to do in December. I need to pick that back up because those are some extremely important um, topics and we're going to find a way to incorporate it. But I'm reading a book called The Color of Class, Poor Whites and the Paradox of Privilege. And it's written by Kirby Moss. And I think I want to do a show or a series of shows on just the paradox of privilege. It should be interesting, but it won't necessarily all be about class issues. We're going to talk about um, religious privilege. We're going to talk about male privilege, you know, including black male privilege, and in some cases, gay black male privilege, you know, because we talked about that a little it on the podcast, and, you know, it's just, it's really interesting, but I'm going to bring it back to center. Um, when Red was talking about, um, you know, the gay and the ex-gay therapy that they have, you know, one of the interesting things that, you know, I've noticed in a lot of churches, especially the black church, because, you know, I've been in church pretty much all of my life and you know when we had members of the lgbtq community no initially no one really said anything they would say oh that's sister so and so or that's brother so and so they're a little funny but they're they're harmless and it was not an issue everybody knew you know whether it was the organist or the director or somebody in a choir or you know whomever you know that they you know were lgbtq but then the black church started taking cues from the you know white evangelical crowd. Yep. And yep. basically that's and, you know, homosexuality, bisexuality, what have you started to become, you know, a problem. And so it's it's just interesting, you know, when you go back and you look at the history of all of this, and, you know, we need to start somewhere. We need to get out here and have this conversation. And one thing, and I did a show about this, homophobia in the black church. The black church has been silent on HIV and AIDS, and people are dropping off like flawed. and in the black yes. community it has become a pandemic and that's why mm-hmm. we're, you know one of our justice projects, you know, um, we're going to be out and we're going to be, you know, distributing prophylactics and information where people will get tested anonymously if they so choose to do so, because I feel that everybody needs to know their status. Yes, it is yeah. a scary-ass thing. I know the first time I went and had my HIV test, I was scared. I was so scared. I mean, I knew, you know, I should have been okay, but you just never know. You know, there's a oh, I- special designation. And you know you see you see teenagers now. One of the leading causes of death for some of these young folks is HIV and AIDS. Yes,
0: yes. And you
1: don't die from AIDS; you die from complications of AIDS. That's why the cancer cases have gone up. But go ahead, hon.
4: Yeah. I was going to say, you know, here in DC, the HIV rate um, is three percent. Um, which is you know, which is very high. Um, and you know, it took it took me a long time to get tested, you know, and again it's all based on education. It took me long, long years to get tested for the first time because I was so scared because of, you know, just the just knowing what happens and all the other stuff. So, you know, when I finally did get tested and I was negative it was just like a sigh of relief, but not everybody has that. You know, they don't, they don't have the resources. They don't know what to do or they're afraid or they don't have anybody to talk to. And, uh, you know, and speak just to go back to what you said about, you know, the black homophobia or, or you know, homophobia in a black church is, um, you know, we had in Maryland um, for during our last uh, election, um, you know, there was a question six, vote for marriage equality. Um, and, you know, they did, you know, the news people went around and were asking people, you know, what, what you're, are you going to vote for or against question six, which was said yes to marriage equality or no marriage equality. And so to hear, you know, for me personally, to hear other black people say that they were standing in line, you know, they were not going to vote for marriage equality was very disheartening because it's like, you know, how could you deny someone rights, you know, based on, you know, your religious belief, you know. So to me, again, it is an issue in, 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 our, in, our, in our churches or in, you know, the black, black churches. And even when I was going to church at 15 years old during vacation Bible school, the uh the the pastor that was talking to us the youth, you know that we were we were guys in, in vacation bible school was talking about you know oh you know it's he actually said the word faggot in 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 the teaching in vacation bible school and I was very uncomfortable I was 15 years old at the time of course I didn't say anything I was just you know going along with it because what are you going to do at 15 years old but I still remember like it was yesterday that was like 20 years ago and I still remember exactly what it was like it was yesterday because he said the word with such power and it was just like. How could you say, how yes. could you, as a pastor as a leader, you know say something like that in a church you know in into these youth you know somebody might be you know at that time, I was still struggling with my sexual identity. I didn't know what I was, but I knew I knew something was different about me, so to hear that and i'm you know I'm part of this church makes me feel like you know, oh my goodness, I'm doing something wrong, and unfortunately you know that's why depression, and again, this circles back to the whole mental health thing, you know depression and you know suicide and all that, and suicide is high in the black community. Um, people. A lot of people yeah. don't realize it, but because you know the the resources may not be there, or people don't know where to turn, you know. And mental health again is just looked at as such a, a negative thing, and it shouldn't be. So you know, exactly. yeah. And just like you and, said earlier exactly. with the and, mental health and. Sh-
3: if I can just inter if if I can just interject with uh, a couple of things the gentleman was talking about too, um, mm-hmm. right. yeah. So the interesting thing about that too is that I've actually met, um. Gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people who were a part of the church, and I've actually met other people when I went to church that were clearly in the closet but denied it. At one point, I actually um, – there was a service, and a gentleman actually got up who was an elder in the church, and he talked about how he was relieved and exercised of the demon that was homosexuality and all this other nonsense that he was preaching, um, and I, I was ashamed at, at first – yeah, I look back on that in real shame because I was up there saying, I'm so proud of you for overcoming this and this is, and just being really ignorant. And, but anyway, um, at the end of the service, I walked up to him and I, shook his, I went to shake his hand and I said, brother, you did a great job today. It was an awesome sermon. And the look of terror that was on his face was I will never forget that. He looked at me, turned right back around and darted towards the front door, and I just <laughs> looked and said, wait a minute, what What happened? I thought, and then I look, and I think about that years later, and I'm like, he still hasn't gotten over it. He's still gay. No, it's not, right. And, and you tonight. can't, that's
4: something, I mean, I mean that's, and that's the sad part, you know, because, it, and, and again, you know, I, I know I said it before, but because, you know, it's taught as such a bad thing in the black church, and that's a lot of the things that, they focus on, you know, in churches, that's the one, one of the biggest things that they pull out from the Bible is, you know, it's wrong, you know, you're going to hell, you know, you're going to hell because you're gay, you're going to hell, you know, God doesn't, you know, God doesn't like, you know, gay people and all this other stuff. That's, you know, one of one of the biggest things they talk about as being like, you know, out of all the things in the Bible that is mentioned, that's the one thing that seems to be focused on. And, again, that's something you can't change, but because it's it's forced when they're preaching to you that, you know, it's like almost like um they're brainwashed you telling you, you know, that you're, 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 you're wrong or that, you know, you can change or, you know, it's, it's, it's just disgusting for you to be that way. You know, again, it's just speaking back to that point.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's just really, it's one of those things that that was the first thing that showed me that something was wrong because it's really easy to demonize somebody that you don't know. It's easy to demonize and cast somebody in a certain light until you actually know them. And it was actually meeting gay and lesbian people who were happy, who were protective members of society that caused me to question my own bigotry and my own homophobia. And it was the first thing, and this is, you know, talking about the Bible, um, this was the thing, you know, when, and I actually went and I researched, you know, ex-gay organizations myself because I wanted to know, can people actually change their minds about their sexuality? Is it possible to quote-unquote, turn and when you look at the research reports from professional organizations that have 99.9% of their clients utterly destroyed uh-huh. by this X K therapy, uh-huh. and when you find out that only 0.1% of people actually turn,
4: it's so to they say say. To <laughs> what, what else are
3: you going to say? It doesn't work. Right. None of it works. And right. then the, the next question was… If this doesn't work, that means the Bible got it wrong. And what else exactly. did the Bible get wrong if it got people's sexual behaviors wrong? And when you were talking to – I'm sorry, the gentleman that's talking – what's your name?
4: I'm, I'm St- Stephen.
3: Stephen? All right. Um, yep. So when Stephen was talking about you know, how black churches and churches – not just black, but churches in general, American churches especially, seem to focus strictly on the gay issue um, – well, here's the thing about that. They want to keep your eyes off of the other things that the Bible says that are clearly wrong. They're not going to talk about how women are considered inferior, and they're not going to talk about First Timothy chapter twelve verses or First Timothy chapter two verses twelve, which says that women must learn in silence. They're not going to mention that bit out of the Bible because they would lose ninety percent of their congregation right there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right absolutely
1: exactly. right. Exactly.
3: And they want to keep your eyes off of what the Bible actually says by creating this other group of people that they can separate so that they can keep your attention away from the things that the Bible gets wrong. It's a smoke so, screen, yeah.
0: Oh,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is, you know, um, you're right. And it's not just, you know, that particular issue. And, you know, it's a lot of issues that they treat the same way. But, um, you know, the issues within the LGBTQ community, I mean, there are numerous. Um, And, you know, I'm going to broaden this discussion a little bit. And basically... You know, even within the LGBTQ community, a lot of the history has been whitewashed because people of color, you know, have contributed greatly to the LGBTQ community. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, the riots in Los Angeles, as well as in New York, Stonewall in particular, was started because Latino, particularly Puerto Rican and black, you know, transgendered people, or trans people, um, you know, fought back at the police, who used to harass them, you know, habitually. And, you know, within the LGBTQ communities, you know, most recently in California with Proposition 8, um, the Mormon church invested a lot of money in Prop 8. And unfortunately, the black community, the black Christian community was being scapegoated you know, in that particular situation. And if you go back and you look at the statistics in California, you know, they're losing people of color, you know. And so the people of color, you know, that are registered to vote and actually went out and voted, it's a single digit. It's not enough votes to have swung, you know, the vote one way or the other. But unfortunately, there's a lot of racism in the LGBTQ community, and there is, and a lot of the white, you know, um, you know, gay activists were blaming the black church and blaming, you know, um, just black Christians. And, again, the scapegoating of the church, because, I mean, you know, there are times when I have to defend the church. I'm not necessarily a Christian apologist, but we have to go in, and we have to talk about it. And I want to make sure that the black atheist community or the atheist community at large does not do the same thing and scapegoat the black community or scapegoat the black church. Because you know, in a lot of situations, you know, they point at them, but, you know, there are a lot of extenuating, you know, circumstances, but when it comes to, you know, the LGBTQ community, there have always been, you know, um, gay members, bisexual members, trans members, you know, of the church and in the community, and for the church to turn their back on some of the people that have made the church what it is. Made it as strong as it is, you know gospel music wouldn't be gospel music without the l g b t q community, so
3: neither would the again. civil rights movement
1: exactly, oh yeah, Bayard, you know, Bayard Rustin? Rustin? oh yes.
3: they don't talk about yeah. those guys.
1: Exactly, exactly, and it's important that you know you know we acknowledge that. But I also want to make sure that you know the black community in general, but the black church specifically, is not scapegoated. Because you know what was interesting was you know because I've had people attack me on my on my wall over on Facebook, and basically they don't even talk about the white Christian community that was against it, they are pinpointing the black Christian community. In some cases, they're pinpointing the black community. And in some cases, this is a trick. And I just want you all to look at the bigger picture. So, you know, when I start seeing things and I start critiquing it, I'm looking at it from, you know, several different perspectives, if you will. And that's why, you know, some people may be a little confused at times. No, it's not confusing. It's just that I will not allow you to sit here and poke fun of people that I love. You know, right. my, my grandmother is a believer. My mother is a believer. Nieces and nephews, you know, the little lady that lives in the building upstairs, I me, mean, she's a believer. So, and I mean, these are some of the sweetest people I've ever met. So, you know, we have to stop the stereotyping. We have to stop the finger pointing. But we also need to be conscious and aware as to, you know, what's happening in the media and then with some of these people. Because, you know, what was interesting, you know, earlier – we were talking about the GOP and the libertarians. At least I was, and you know the social program and the social safety net, and how it was the trick? You know, just you know the, you know communities of color. You know atheists of color. I just want you to think about this. Look at your community. Look at who's helping who in your community. If you don't see any secular organizations in your community, then hopefully this will motivate you to work with some or to start some. The mainstream atheist community, what exactly are you all doing to help? you know, these these communities of color, to help the atheist communities of color reach out into the community. Since you're talking about diversity, you're talking about inclusion, I don't see them giving money. I don't see them giving, you know, or helping in a lot of respects. Now, we do have some allies, and there are some that have given and that want to see these changes, but also they have to make some changes within because when you have people like Dusty running around calling, you know, black Christians Uncle Tom's, and this other white guy, you know, saying, you know, um, black Christians, are you really that stupid? As far as I'm concerned, that's abuse.
3: The Amazing Atheist? And is
1: it, exactly. The Amazing Atheist saying yeah. that we were watchers about the Zimmerman trial. To me, that's abusive behavior, and it is incumbent upon the mainstream atheist community to, to, to address it And to address those individuals Because as far as I'm concerned Their silence is tacit agreement And I'm also looking at some of these Black atheists out here That agree with them Okay, you can agree with them if you want But you have to be able to support Your argument And you know, evidence Where is the
0: evidence?
3: Bring and us that the just, evidence And that just, it goes back to You know, I talk to people about this too just because you're an atheist doesn't make you intelligent. It doesn't make you exactly. smarter than everybody else. It doesn't make right. you above anybody else. There are atheists exactly. I, that I know that are just as dumb as the most fundamentalist Christian.
1: Exactly. exactly. And they hate
3: it when exactly. it's pointed out.
1: Exactly. And I've said that on a show, and people got offended. And I said, just because you're an atheist, that does not make you That doesn't mean
4: anything. No.
1: Exactly, no. exactly. And at the end of the and day, the, and I want to, you know, make sure that people are it Exactly. And particularly to, you know, some of these atheists of color that, you know, think that they have some type of special privileges or some type of special inroads um, to the mainstream. You don't. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> you're still going to be black you're still going to be Latino, you're still going to be Asian, you're still going to be indigenous, and, you know, you go back to your communities and you say you're an atheist, you're going to be ostracized even more. So, you know, having that atheist title is not necessarily a medal of honor, and I need for you all to understand
3: not at all. Um, You
1: know, great difficulties in being an atheist and being an out-atheist. Ask Matt Dillahunty. You know, he's a white atheist, and he's having, you know, some issues, and a number of other out-atheists, you know, atheists, white, black, yellow, red, green, whatever, having issues um, with employment, you know, gaining gainful employment, um, you know, um, issues in their communities. This is not an easy walk. This is not an easy walk and if you think you're going to be a professional atheism atheist, you have another thing coming because you have people like me. I'm gonna knock you down every time. And on that note we're down to the last fifteen seconds. We would like to thank everybody who listened in, who's going to listen to the archives. Our callers, we thank Red Ninja, we thank Steven, we thank Dr. Don Barbera who wrote Black But Not Baptist. Check it out. Next week. I'll see you next Sunday, 10 a.m. Permanent change. Take care, everybody. Have a good Sunday.
3: All right. Are you too? All right, bye-bye. Thanks again. Bye bye-bye. bye. Bye bye.